My name is Tom Chick. And I'm Jason McMaster. <laughs> yes, you are Jason, Jason T. McMaster. Yes. And we are bringing you the Quarter to Three Games podcast. Do you know why I'm playing that song, Jason T. McMaster? Is it a Rock Band 3 DLC? Oh, it sure is. You betcha. Yes. I saw what that. does that song make you think of? Uh, Aleister Crowley? Seriously, that's where you go? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. fine. That's where I think uh, Ozzy Osbourne would have you go. But sure. uh, for some of us, it's acquired a, a completely different meaning. Uh, did you not get through Brutal Legend? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. What am I thinking? Oh, yeah. Brutal Legend. I just feel like Tim Schafer completely co-opted that song from Ozzy Osbourne and uh, handed it over to the lovely Ophelia. Uh, I love that bit in the game. So Yeah, it's, cool. it's, it's a really cool game. Yeah. Uh, so what are we going to do for listeners this week, Jason T. McMaster? What do we got for them? We've got news posts. Forum posts, news posts, news stories, forum posts, and uh, games of the week. In fact, there's a lot of news stories this Boy, week. Boy, something happened this week. I don't know if it's something in the water or just because it's hot everywhere, so people just stay indoors and make games news. But, yeah, it was a crazy week. Now, last week, Jason T. McMaster, you promised salsa dancing. Are we backing off from that? Uh, no, nah, we can do it. I okay. Just, I don't know if we have enough time, but we'll try to squeeze it in at the end. Okay, good. We'll see how things go. Uh, so who will go first and which topic should we go first? In the past, I have used my, my D&D dice. Uh, I think we've uh, rochambeaued. We've arm wrestled before. Yes, uh, yes. What should we do this week to determine who goes first? Why don't you be the master of ceremonies uh, in, in, there, in that regard? Oh, man. It's a lot of responsibility. I know. I'm sorry. Really I didn't, we didn't set this up beforehand, so I'm kind of – it's a little ambush podcasting on you right here, Jason T. McMaster. All right. Let's do numbers between 1 and 10. There okay. you go. See, that's a good audio. All right. All right. I'm thinking of a number between 1 and 10. What is it? I'm thinking of uh, 5. All right. You're close. So you can go first. You pick the topic. <laughs> I like the way you jujitsu that around on me. Jason. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well played. Well played. Uh, let's go with game of the week. All right. That's the topic. And since I picked the topic, you're going first. What do you think of that? Fair enough. Um, Let me guess. Well, guess. By the way, I also last week predicted that as of our next podcast taping, you will not have pl- – I'm screwing up. The, the verb tenses are all over the map here, so forgive me. But yeah. last week I predicted that as of this podcast, you will not have played Catherine for four days. Was I close? Let me think. How long has it been? I actually have played some. So ah, rats. I think I played Sunday. Yeah, so, yeah, you're off. Yeah. All right. You know, and I made it past – the giant tongue ass creature, and right. uh, I made it past the next one too. All right, uh, so you're you're apparently soldiering ahead with Catherine. The next one is worse, by the way. It's a baby. Yeah. Just like it's really, it has this irritating da da voice about playing with me and don't run away da da, but it's got this like you know terrible voice acting going on. It's real creepy and. Uh, since I'm not horribly good at Catherine, I die over and over again, so I got to hear that for like 45 minutes. So that's tapping into Vincent's anxiety about having children? Yes. Wow, okay. 
And I don't think that's too terrible of a spoiler since I'm not very far in the game. So <laughs> like maybe three hours. So. I think that's about halfway through though. But no, I don't. I don't think it's a spoiler either. Uh, partly because I don't have no intention of playing, so <laughs> it's easy for me to say. Also, I think it's been in like all the game ads and stuff like that that I've seen. It's been right. Maybe. But anyway. All right. So you 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 don't hate Catherine Catherine enough to stop playing. But what have you chosen for your game of the week instead of Catherine? Well, this was a tough one because I've been playing a lot of Borderlands, but the one that I feel has been the most impressive was Dead Island. <laughs> Wait, was what? Dead Island. Oh, yes, yes, right, right. That's the one we teased last week. So you have a, tell us about this build you have of Dead Island. It's not the full game. Unfortunately, no. I have about an hour per character, uh, and then it, you know, says coming soon, whatever. But, so um, it, it lets you pick any of the, what is it, four characters, and yes. after an hour it, it dumps you back to the menu? Yes. Okay. And, um, but it's, I will say, uh, it's really intense. Now, are you allowed to talk about it? Um, I, in the sense that, I mean, uh, like, it is, is this, this isn't any secret thing. This is a preview build. You're writing it up for Game Shark, if I'm not mistaken, right? And nobody told you, you know, there's an embargo on talking about this. So can I ask, what I'm getting at is, can I ask you questions about Dead Island without you being imprisoned for embargo violation? I believe so. I, I asked and, uh, you know, there was, there was nothing included with the packaging. So, okay. So we just kind of assume, yeah, it's, uh, we're all good. As a matter of fact, why don't you tell us about what the packaging consisted of? <laughs> the packaging was, uh, a business card and a disc that says "di" on it. <laughs> D- delightfully enigmatic. Yes. <laughs> so we weren't sure at first, but we had a good idea. Try- <laughs> tried it in a PC, it didn't work. So threw it in the 360 debug, and it was a dead eye on 360. Now, what uh, going in? So let me just briefly tell you about my sort of journey with Dead Island, as it were, and then I'll be curious to hear how it matches up to yours. Seeing screenshots of Dead Island and being a huge Dead Rising fan, and I, I would call myself, some people call themselves Civil War buffs. I'm a zombie buff. I know a lot about zombie history, zombie lore. So uh, being a fan of zombie lore and Dead Rising, I would see the screenshots for Dead Island, and I would be very disappointed that you could only see a few zombies at a time. So I would turn up my nose and, and, and sort of sniff at it and think, this is no zombie game. But then I went to E3. And I got to play it, and I really liked what they were doing with the whole RPG approach and how even though there were fewer zombies to fight, any given zombie battle was more meaningful because of what weapons you were using, and there's a stamina model. Uh, they're more of a handful. They're not just simple things that, that you slice through. Uh, so I, I came away from E3, having played a build, just really eager and looking forward to it and convinced that they do have their a nice, unique approach to the zombie game, even if they're not giving you hordes of zombies to fight. So I am pretty optimistic. Now, how does that match what you have felt after playing through the opening hours of the game? Well, uh, I it feels good. It, it really does. It, it, I agree with you. Like the, the first screenshot you see, it's like, well, you really don't see very many zombies. There's there's never like the whole feeling of like being surrounded, um, right. but. Once you actually get to play the game, it's 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 very tense. 
game. They don't really need a ton of zombies to make it feel scary or interesting because, like, the the whole the whole feel of it, it's it's a role playing game, and you know that's just a really unusual take. It feels more like Borderlands than yeah, Dead Rising or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, uh, you you find different weapons that um, have varying degrees of uh, damage to them quality. And I mean, you can repair them at workbenches, et cetera, that kind of thing. And you, you're, you're basically playing through, and you know, it's going to be a multiplayer game. Uh, but uh, you're playing through just, I don't know, the kind of surreal feeling of being surrounded by the dead in a way because you're on an island, but not being surrounded by a wall, which makes no sense. <laughs> so we have that going on. Uh, no. <laughs> and now, as as you mentioned in RPG, it's got each character has a, a unique skill tree, right? Right, right. Um, there's a, a character that's a specialized in guns. There's one for throne. There's one for knives, uh, and one for blunt uh, weapons. So, you know, of course, each character has you know different uh, you know ups and downs, and they also have different like stamina levels and health levels. And, you know, your, your stamina is interesting because you, know, you use it to run, um, but you also use it to swing. And yep. of course, if, if you, uh, if it runs out, you, know, you, you like either fall over or can't move very fast or. And you can't retaliate. You. you can't, like, if you're sitting yep. there going toe to toe with a zombie and you run out of stamina, suddenly you're helpless and you're just taking damage. Yeah. Right, right. And, you know, the zombies, of course, like a lot of the time you're, you're fighting them in a standard just, yeah, moving back and forth, first person like melee kind of feel, but um, sometimes you'll you'll get blindsided by them. And you have to hit like a series of buttons or whatever to break free, um, and that adds that you know whole jumpy kind of House of the Dead feel to it. Um, well, when we when they showed it to us at E3, uh, one of the things they pointed out, and this took a little getting used to, is when you do run out of stamina, there's a kick attack that requires no stamina. It, I don't think it damages a zombie, right. but it, it pushes them away and buys you a little time and distance. So right. that's that's a big part of the gameplay mechanic is positioning. Position yourself to the zombie, making sure you have time to let your stamina build up. Uh, I, I think there was even a kind of a tanking model, like a, a sense of aggro, how some of the skills... Uh, like some of the characters will attract the zombies and other characters are supposed to sort of, I guess, stand back and do DPS or, or whatever. Right, right. You can see that in the stats of the characters in a way, too, right before you pick them. Of course, like, the one guy is going to have more stamina and more health, but he won't be fast. Or, right. Uh, so he'll like, kind of, yeah, it's almost like the Borderlands model in that way, just the four different characters with their different uh, strengths. Um, how, how do you feel, Jason T. McMaster, about degrading weapons? Because a lot of people, and then by that I mean weapons that degrade, not weapons that make you feel bad about yourself. Uh, either way. Uh, no, um, <laughs> you know, it's a mechanic that works in that system. Uh, it works in Fallout. You know, it works. It, it adds, uh, if you never have to worry about your weapon, I mean, it's just one source of tension. It's removed from the model of the game. It's supposed to be dense. It's a, but know. Jason T. McMaster, what if I get a gun I really like and I don't want to use anything else during the game? What if I only want that gun? <laughs> uh, this goes back to that one game, doesn't it? Oh, God. What was it? Is it Wolfenstein? That you- <laughs> 
that you got mad about. Oh, that, <laughs> wow. Good call. No, my thing with Wolfenstein, I think that was, wasn't that an ammo deal? Or like you get, you get great guns. Yeah, you get guns. a great gun, but like you don't get enough ammo for right, it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is there, there are all kinds of really cool game design tricks to encourage experiencing, having a variety of experiences with different weapons. And one of them is degrading weapons. I, I actually quite like that model because it puts a sense of economy into the world. You use the okay. word tension, I think. There, there's a, that extra dramatic dimension there, so that's important. Another one is, is dealing with, like, another way to, to tweak that is ammo. Uh, and that was oh, something yeah. that pissed me off about Wolfenstein is I get these great guns, and in order to encourage me to use different weapons, Wolfenstein was just real stingy with the ammo for the good weapons in my oh. categories. He's like, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, is there a, I don't remember, is it a crafting kind of weapon making thing in Dead Island? Like you get components? You can, and make weapons? Yeah, you can improve, uh, okay. bits of the weapons. Uh, of course, once you, like, take one to, uh, up to its max, I'm not sure what could happen after that. Uh, I don't know if there's anything with it in the game, but, uh, yeah, you can go to workbenches and, uh, spend money or, or what have you to, Upgrade those uh, stats. Like, but what's funny about it, yeah, is your, you know, your skill trees. <clears throat> like, for instance, the the knife wielder is uh, one of the skills that she has, or several skills she has, has to do with how, like, slowly or quickly your weapons degrade and how much damage you get out of them. So that if you do have a good weapon, you can at least keep it mm-hmm. for a good bit longer. Um, so it does add that. Yeah, it, you know, it's interesting because it, that also is kind of a, a good money sink or something like right. that. Because RPGs have to have money sinks. Yep. Um, now, so, how, yeah. how much of the world and the gameplay and stuff, how much can you see in an in an hour? Like, is uh, is there anything, like, are you just doing tutorial stuff? Can you just head off in a beeline in one direction and sort of set out and see how far you can get in an hour? Like, what what can you experience with a build that cuts you off after an hour? You you can actually get a pretty good ways uh, on foot on the island. I mean, we we ran around for a bit. And, uh, I know that when I played and Sarah played, uh, we had absolutely different experiences. Uh, that, that was kind of interesting. Uh, but for instance, she she wandered off. Like I, I went through the missions uh, stuff several times, but yeah, she I just watched her wander around at one point. She she found a a truck and was driving over zombies and stuff, which I thought was pretty awesome. And then I never saw that. I was just hoofing it around the island and stabbing things for people. Um, so, uh, uh, or whatever. And, uh, you know, depending on where you go, like the first time I went through it, uh, I went one way and uh, kind of had my own little side adventure uh, with with a couple of little things. And this is the, the next time I went through, I just kind of followed the path. So, you, I mean, you can get further in the quests, of course, if you go straight one to one. But there's, oddly, it's a pretty good amount of wandering can be done. And now when, do we know, when will your preview be up on Game Shark? Do we know? It should be this week, I would think. Friday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, we will look forward to that. And when, finally, can... Uh, those of us who aren't as as fortunate as you, when can we play Dead Island? I believe September. September what? Come on. The, Early, you know, late, mid? All what? of it. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it's uh, September 6th. 
Very good. Oh, early. That's good. That that actually yes. seems kind of soon. It's like a month away. Awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's kind of surprising to me. I think uh, this year is kind of went by really fast. So you want to know you want to know a trick about release dates, Jason T. McMaster. Don't don't look them up. Don't know a release date so that then when you wonder when is a game coming out, it's something like Dead Island. Like holy cats, that's soon. Uh, oh yeah. I like to yeah. find out a release date and then forget it. So that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so good. All right. Yeah, I like it when things sneak up on me, and quite a few have so, uh, this year. So, so game of the week, uh, Dead Island, um, oh, yeah. which isn't even out yet, and uh, already your game of the week. Good. You are probably the first one of the first people to pick that as a game of the week. Yes, I win. <laughs> Very good. Now, my game of the week, uh, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Your game of the week is a future-looking situation. My game of the week... This thing came out in February of 1999. Holy Jesus. I know. Can you believe that? A game of the week after over 10 years, this thing still has the power to be a game of the week. And I played it on accident. Oh. Here's what happened. So, uh, you know, I do a fair bit. Not if I, I do some board gaming, not as much as I'd like to, but I have a group of friends here and sometimes we'll, we'll break out into no board game. Just like, you know, sure. Just like in a musical, there's characters walking along, they break out into song. Sometimes I'll be hanging out with my friends and we'll break out into a board game. It's like that. So we attempted a, this massive, epic sci-fi board game called Twilight Imperium, uh, which I had been jonesing to play ever since someone linked to a, a trailer for some weird Japanese movie called Battle Battleship Yamoto or something like that. Like, So I, I just watched the trailer and it had spaceships blowing each other up and... And then I played a little Sins of Solar Empire. So I was just like really wanting to play a spaceship game. So Twilight Imperium is like an epic length game and it takes many, many hours. And we started playing and it seemed to be going well, but then suddenly it's five in the morning and everybody's falling asleep and we quit halfway through. So that didn't really happen. But one of the daunting things about teaching people how to play Twilight Imperium is it has a tech tree and that tech tree will change a lot of the rules. You start playing Twilight Imperium, and you learn a very simple thing, like, for instance, that a cruiser, which is one of the types of spaceships, hits on a seven or higher. It's a very basic rule. It, it distinguishes cruisers from other kinds of ships. It's very simple. But what happens is once you start getting this tech tree going, sometimes a cruiser will hit on a six or higher. Sometimes a cruiser can carry troops. Sometimes a cruiser can go through asteroid fields, like all the rules start changing because of this tech tree. So you teach someone the game, and then you tell them, by the way, everything I taught you can change, and here, and there's a big two-page spread in the full-color manual, and here is a tangled web of technologies that will change the rules that I just taught you. So it's a little daunting, but it's... I mean, honestly, Uh though, you can take any Fantasy Flight Games manual and probably find that point in it. Well, yeah. Well, well, you know, I guess that is kind of a characteristic of these what are called Ameritrash board games that have so many little moving parts. Is that at one point that there's going to be a, a, a sort of a matrix of how all the parts interact, and it's just going to look daunting. You're going to lose sanity points if you look at it the first time. Yeah. Uh, so this tech tree in Twilight Imperium, uh, we actually did fairly well. I just sort of didn't emphasize it too much. I basically just said, whenever it comes around, just take a look at a couple of things, pick one you want, and then buy it. You know, just we weren't. It was kind of a learning game anyway. So, but but uh, one of my friends uh, brought up, if you think that's a tech tree, you should see 
Alpha Centauri, you know, Sid Meier's oh, Alpha yes. Centauri, the strategy game. So sure enough, I have my box copy. I got rid of a lot of PC games a while ago. I don't have many old PC games around, but I kept my box copy of Alpha Centauri, and I kept my Tech Tree poster. So yes. my friend, in order to show people and maybe reassure them that Twilight Imperium isn't so bad, we got out that, that Alpha Centauri Tech Tree. We unfolded that thing. And, man, that just blew my mind looking at that. I mean, it's huge, Jason T. McMaster. It's an enormous – it is It is literally a poster. It's not some four-panel fold-out thing like you might get with, you know, Elemental or Civ Five or something. This thing would cover – you could, like, wallpaper a small closet with this thing. Oh, yes. Uh, so I got that out, and we were looking at it, and when everybody left that night, as I was putting it up, I was thinking, you know, I wonder – I wonder if Alpha Centauri runs on, like, XP. Can you just install it and get it going? And will it start up? And I can safely say the answer is yes, because that's my game of the week. I've been playing a fair bit of Alpha Centauri. And, God, just what a brilliant piece of work. Now, I know you're into board games. Are you much of a strategy gamer? Did you play Alpha Centauri? Oh, I've still got my copy, too. Now, uh, I'm not great at it. You know, uh, but I I like I mean I've been a fan since Civilization. You know, I love Civ, love pirates. The pirates in in what in Alpha Centauri? Yes. Well, there's no. so there's the well there are pirates. You know, there's an expansion pack that added five new human factions, and one of the factions is the Sea Pirates. No, not like the pirate party. Not you know there isn't well there are Sea Pirates. Are there like data pirate or no? They're data angels. Oh, no, that's not the same. It's not the same. Uh, yeah, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> but that's one of the things, too, that I love is just how much personality is in the different factions and in the planet itself. I mean, just as a game that creates a sense of place. You know, the Civilization games are always human history, and we kind of relate to that. But Alpha Centauri always had the really tough job of creating a science fiction setting with... And it did it with flavor, and it feels unique. I did an article for uh, for Fidget, the site I ran for Sci-Fi Channel for a while. I remember early on doing an article called something like, uh, you know, like 10 virtual places you should see before you die. And it's just one of those headlines. It's like link bait. Uh, but it, it gave me an opportunity to talk about different places, like like things like Just Cause 2, Grand Theft Auto 4, that, that realize a, a sense of place, that give you the, the Shire, for instance, in Lord of the Rings Online. And, and Alpha Centauri is one of those. I mean, the, the ecology that it creates with planet, you know, I think the planet's called Chiron, and it's around the star Alpha Centauri. Uh, the ecology it creates and all the creatures that are there and the people that live there and how they interact and how they relate to the planet and how the planet evolves over time with that weird pink fungus and uh, the mind worms that come out and, and whether or not you're integrating with the planet or oh, you yeah. tame it. Uh, there's just so much. That game is so rich. Uh, and now I, I could talk for hours about Alpha Centauri, but before, I, let's move on because I, I will. I will otherwise sit here talking about it. <laughs> but one of the things I want to mention, uh, you know, I've been playing a lot of Civ 4, and I was bitterly disappointed with Civ 5 because of AI problems. There was one point in Alpha Centauri, uh, I started my first game at the sort of the easy level to just get my feet under me and reacquaint myself with the rules. And I'm playing a game now at one of the harder difficulty levels. It's more challenging. But when I was playing at the easy baby level, uh, you know, I was doing fine. I set up my little empire and the other factions were making their empires. At one point, I started to expand uh, down on a little island 
where the uh, communist faction, I think it's Chairman Yang, and his faction is called the Hive, and they represent, I think, communists. Uh, I was sort of right up against their territory, and we were going to have a little border, border skirmish. And as I was moving my units in, suddenly, just out of nowhere, he started like attacking me with this this vast air force that he had built up. And he was using it well. Like the air force would come out and it would bombard my dudes and then it would fly back. You know, air power is, is like something notorious. I think even in Civ 4, the AI has a problem sort of using air power very well because it's a dramatic shift in the game balance. Is that once one of the players can fly around and attack things with impunity... Uh, it's a it's a whole new system of trumps and counter trumps, and traditionally AIs have a problem with that. So I was so delighted playing on the next to easiest level on Alpha Centauri how well the computer was using air power. And then when I made my air force to counter this, you can set your air force in a base and tell it to automatically defend. And the, the planes just sit there, and if something comes in to threaten them, they'll fly out and do the attack automatically. You don't have to manually do that. So as I was moving my, my units in to grab this new territory, it was just amazing watching my planes and the planes from the Hive faction just fight it out over the skies without me having to manually click and tell them what to do. When a new plane came in their radius, they would, they would send a sortie out and attack it. And it, it was just so refreshing to watch a tactically competent AI especially after how awful, awful, awful Civilization V is at that. Uh, so, And, you know, 12 years ago, Brian Reynolds and his team were able to do this. What the heck happened at Firaxis uh, that's fallen so far? Well, it's, you know, it's just graphics and production takeover. And that's, yeah, you know what, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's such a hallmark of Civ V is how beautiful it is and uh, the production values and, uh, yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, it's a shame that uh, Ensemble's gone now, too, because they were one of the greats for strategy games. Now you're making me sad, JT McMahon. <laughs> I'm all modeling. <laughs> Although, you know what? So you say Ensemble's gone. I've been playing Age of Empires online lately, and even though I have, I take huge issue with their, their business model, I, I'm, I'm not sold. I mean, it, you can buy a civilization for the price. Basically, for 40 bucks, you can get the whole thing, and you don't have to... Uh, they're not trying to nickel and dime you so much. Uh, so you can just buy it as a game. But the whole model is built around an MMO-style thing of grinding and unlocking stuff and equipment slots. And I just I, that stuff's driving me bonkers. However, for the most part, it is very much an ensemble game. I mean, you see that Age of Empires model there and what they did with the home city stuff in Age of Empires 3. So technically, ensemble is gone. But playing Age of Empires online, you can still get that kind of ensemble experience, I think. So... That's pretty good. But yeah. I wasn't even the biggest three fan though. I love two. I think two was my favorite. Three took a while to really come into its own. And you know what? So here we go. Hey, let's just talk about how awesome Brian Reynolds is for the whole podcast. All right. So let's just do it. Yeah, Brian so so you know what? I even when I talk about Alpha Centauri, technically the name is Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri, and that's fair enough. I understand Firaxis has their branding, but that's Brian Reynolds' baby. That's his you know, I'm sure Sid contributed. He's a brilliant guy. Um and he, you know, he Brian Reynolds came up underneath him and Brian Reynolds Brian Reynolds is sort of the Alexander to Sid Meier's Aristotle, I I feel. Uh you know, Sid Meier's is a genius. But Brian Reynolds conquered the gaming world. I mean, the things he did with, uh, first of all, Alpha Centauri and then Rise of Nations, which I've been playing lately. So That's what a good happened? Game. It is a fantastic game. And boy, so, but then what happened is Age of Empires 3, like you, Jason T. McMaster, I was a little 
cool on it. I wasn't so fond of it. Uh, Brian Reynolds' group, Big Huge Games, eventually did an expansion pack called Asian Dynasties. Post-Asian Dynasties, Age of Empires 3 is a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic RTS. All of these interface problems it had, they addressed. There's so much flavor and character in those Asian factions that Big Huge Games designed, uh, and the way that they made new gameplay systems that the other factions can take advantage of. Uh, like you, I was not a fan of Age 3, not a big fan, but now I think Age 3 is, is just one of the best RTSs out there. I love that game. And then, I may have to get that expansion. You should definitely get the expansion. I think that, you know, Brian Reynolds rode to the rescue. And you know what? I don't know how much is him directly, but Big Huge Games, and he was there at that time, kind of rode to the rescue of Age of Empires 3. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good Lord, how do we get off on that? Uh, <laughs> oh, so, so yeah, you know what? Forget Game of the Week. I'm just going to choose Developer of the Week. Everything Brian Reynolds did before Frontierville, of course. You know, I, and that's kind of the thing. He's overdoing Facebook games at Zynga now. Bless his heart. That's fine. This guy deserves. Yikes! <laughs> Yikes is fine, but but you know after the stuff that he has done for gaming, he has contributed more. Oh yeah. Those three games than most game developers do in their lifetime. I mean, if he wants to cash in and do Facebook games, he deserves to be able to do that. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. I'll tell you, actually, speaking of developers, I, I got to get my my suit of fifty one story in of the week. <laughs> Have you seen the announcement of his new game? Uh, the Facebook, didn't you mention this before? The Facebook? Oh, no. Most no the, this one's like a 360 PS3 game. This new one. What is it? Called Lollipop Chainsaw. Oh, yes, yes. I do know about this. Yeah, tell me more, though. Oh, yes, where, uh, you play a cheerleader that has, uh, an awesome chainsaw and she kills zombies at her high school. But what really kind of caught my attention mm-hmm. was, uh, See, here we go. With her wickedly awesome chainsaw in hand, Juliet slices, dices, and splits her way through hordes of the undead, but soon realizes the horde is only the opening act to a festival of zombie rock lords determined to kill the chainsaw-wielding cheerleader. Oh, I'll be playing this game. I don't know. I mean, I just, my Shadows of the Damned experience, I just am so, I'm so cautious now about jumping feet first into Suda 51 games. <laughs> He's uh, He just has this ability to always surprise me. Right. You know, usually you can see something wacky happen, like American McGee's American McGee or whatever. You know, <laughs> it's, it's going to be edgy, but like, uh, he just, he always comes at it from an angle that I, I don't expect. Who is uh, publishing this for him? Not EA, I'm guessing. Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, good for them. Yeah, that's what I said. Hopefully, hopefully they can get some advertising, you know, something like that. No, I think Warner Brothers will support it. You know what, Warner Brothers, I those guys have been doing great work lately. Uh, so the Mortal Kombat yeah. reboot uh, was received awesome. very well. I know a lot of people like that. Yeah, uh, Fear Three, I really liked a lot. And those guys, they uh, they got Batman. behind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right, the Batman game, and they got behind Bastion. So, yeah, Warner Brothers, they're our developer. They're our publisher of the week. Brian Reynolds is our developer of the week. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good. Okay, so now what topic are we going to? Jason T. Let's go to, I don't know, forum posts? All right, let's do it. Who's going first? Um, You can. All right, you got me on that one. Here we go. Mine is... uh, (laughs) So sometimes a forum post 
one of the one of the really cute things about a forum post can be when nobody responds to it. And it just sits there alone, and it's kind of cute, and you feel sorry for the forum post. And you're like, yes. oh, you poor little forum post. You didn't start a thread, but you're still kind of precious. This is one of those. Oh. So this was posted by uh, a you – know, I don't know if his first I, – I, I won't use his first name. I don't think he – I, I kind of know this guy in real life. I haven't met him, but I've, I've talked to him. I hope to have him on the podcast soon because he is – how shall I put this? He is the owner – of a a renowned ah look at you you've got your yes on ah oh, sorry very nice no he is the owner and I don't know he might be the owner of, of Lonely Heart his name is Spoofy Chop on the forum he is the owner of a bona fide relic that was shown at a museum that uh, he's going to come on the podcast and talk about at some point and this relic is extremely relevant to quarter to three. I'll just say that. So anyway, that's a teaser. But anyway, so Spoofy Chop decides to post, and I couldn't tell at first if he was serious, a link to a Wii game called Walk It Out. <laughs> Sorry. I know, exactly. That's the response that I think What's most the people follow get. Up? Is it rough some dirt on it? <laughs> <laughs> it's worse. Get this. So there's a link to it, and you can click on the link before you read the the post if you want. And if you click on it, it goes to an Amazon page for a Konami-published Wii game, and it's one of these Xer games. Uh, I don't even know if Xerse games, exercise games. I don't know if you actually say exercise games. I'm sure there's like a, a word for it. So I'm going to call it an Xer game. And you're supposed to walk and get exercise. But the, the box cover has a set of kids, you know, they're like, I don't know, eight years old or whatever, they're deployed in wedge formation, advancing <laughs> towards you in this vaguely unnerving way. Like, like it's almost like, are, are these kids going to fan out and attack? Is this, are they part of a gang or something? It looks a little weird. It looks like they're snapping, kind of. You know what? It's like a, it's almost like a sharks and a jets thing. Is it like yeah, this, yeah. Some, this is some like, like eighth grade production of West Side Story. You don't know. Right. Uh, so in this game that Spoofy Chalk talks about, and again, I can't tell if he's serious. You walk around holding the Wiimote or whatever. You can walk on a, uh, the stupid balance board. And as you walk, you earn points in the game that you can use. And your avatar, I guess, moves around in a virtual world. And you use these points to flesh out the virtual world. And it reminded me a bit of you, Jason T. McMaster, telling me about how the stupid coins work on the Nintendo DS. <laughs> yeah, you mean the shake it while you sit there and do something else? Exactly. Mechanic. Yeah. And I imagine you could probably do that in Walk It Out. Uh, yes. But part of what I love is so he posts this and and nobody responded. <laughs> and I just think it's, it's so indicative of quarter to three. First of all, we're going to turn our nose up at a Wii game. And second of all, an exercise game. And third of all, a kid's game. Uh, and I just love the, the song variety is brilliant. Katy Perry to Soldier Boy to J-Pop. Yeah, I don't think those are huge on quarter to three. I don't. I don't see many uh, music threads unless unless Shadari is drunk and posting links to music videos. We don't get a lot of Katy Perry talk, as far as I know. Uh, <laughs> so that's my post of the week, just because I just thought it was so endearing to see that, and I thought this being advanced upon by kids deployed in wedge formation was an odd choice for your box cover. Uh, all right, Jason T. McMaster, what is your post of the week? Uh, my post of the week um, is 
in the Valve uh, Dota 2 thread. Aha! Actually, it's the thread itself, in a way. But the post is, that I find interesting is kind of a grouping of posts, because recently Valve has released a lot of information about Dota 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not your news story, is it? It is not, no. It's one of the okay. interesting uh, ones. So obviously it's not your news story either. Interesting. I see that oh. you've, you've finagled a way to talk about two different news stories this week. Well played, uh, man. Uh, 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 well played. Uh, yes. Um, but Dota 2 uh, was announced that it will be shown for the first time at Gamescom in two weeks. And when they're showing it, it will be given a, there was it, 16, I believe, teams, 12 or 16 of the original, they're, uh, the top teams from the original Dota mod for Warcraft 3 will be, uh, competing on a live stream or what have you, uh, for a million dollars. I didn't realize, I knew they were having a competition, but I guess I didn't, I thought it was odd they were doing that for a game that's not even out. I didn't realize they were taking them from Dota 1 players, so that makes sense. Yeah, it's like the top Dota 1 players. Right. So, yeah, um, the thing that interests me most about this, however, is during the discussion, and this kind of occurred to me earlier, was uh, how are they going to play a game competitively that isn't out yet unless it's almost an exact copy of the original game. And that is kind of what's being said is that it's, it's not even really a new property as much as they're trying to do an almost exact copy because they have one of the original designers. Like they're keeping in uh, just all the weird quirks of the Warcraft three engine. How do, you, how do you feel about that as a as our resident, I guess they're called MOBAs, as our resident MOBA player, or your League of Legends fan, how, how do you feel about this non, this sort of conservative, traditionalist approach to Dota? Well, I, there's, there's part of it that I, you know, I can appreciate that they want to stay true to the way it feels for the fans and everything. There's part of it like where you, where you have an opportunity to maybe make some changes because as I, I actually comment in this thread and say that denying, which is one of the game mechanics for Dota, which uh, if you don't know what that is, uh, denying is when the basic concept of these games is that you have little minions that you don't control that stream towards the other enemy's base and they have minions that they don't control the stream towards yours and they fight in the middle or whatever. And they're called the creep. And the way you get uh, money and experience in that game is being, well, you get experience by being near them when they die. You get money by getting the last hit on one. Mm-hmm. So league of legends does not have this at all. And heroes of new earth added a mode that doesn't have it. Um, but thank, I just want to say, thank God on both counts, by the way, as someone yes. who, hates this mechanic. I'm glad both of those games don't have them. So then what is this mechanic then? Denying is killing your own creep or towers. Wait a minute. Why would you want to do that? You would kill your own dudes? That's insane. Why? So that the enemy team can't have experience or money. Ah, you're denying them the benefit of the kill. Right. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's not that I I have anything fundamentally against it. It's just kind of another layer of irritation and clicking in a game that has a lot of clicking. 
Now, some yeah, would not, say, Jason T. McMaster, it's another layer of strategy. They would say that, except for the fact that that's actually in the game realistically because it was in Warcraft 3. Because in Warcraft 3, you had caps on the amount of troops you could have or buildings. So they, you had to be able to destroy them. Well, they just kind of left it in for Dota and used it as another level of strategy, but it was just something that was already in the game. Right. So, uh, yeah, there's that. And, and then another thing that was mentioned is they're adding the exact same um, cancel animations uh, from Warcraft, which that gets pretty technical, too. That's that's a, on the kind of the level of like a Street Fighter Four move or something. But mm-hmm. uh, canceling attacks means either changing your, your, your position or what you're doing at the last second during an animation to stop an attack from going off uh, so that you're not... Um, like committed to it right so it's called yeah animation uh, canceling and so they're even going to the point of like adding it into the same level that it was in warcraft 3 from what i understand and that's what they've mentioned many times uh in here and there via interviews articles so in a way yeah i understand what they're doing but you have to also kind of look at it like somebody uh as someone points out in the thread, they're, they're really kind of aiming probably at a Southeast Asia kind of market. That's right. kind of, it's got the Warcraft feel to it. It's got, yeah, and like was pointed out, League of Legends doesn't have a great Asia market. They, they don't. They, you know, they're bigger in America, and uh, I mean, they're very large in Europe as well, but not much going on in Asia. And, um, so nobody's really tapped that other than Blizzard. So, uh, yeah, I think Valve's probably going for that. Well, as a guy who has a hard enough time like playing League of Legends competently, I hear about these things being part of Dota 2, and I just think, well, that's another game I probably don't have to play. <laughs> like, I just, I, that just, I, I, the fact that they are putting in stuff like that that caters so much to, on one hand, you're saying the Asian market, that makes sense, but also to hardcore players who... Right really know these little counterintuitive I mean they're they're not glitches but they're it's like you said it's they're they're artifacts of the original engine uh, right it's not you I know mean, this isn't this isn't game design this is just uh this is almost like like engine exploitation that sort of transmorphed into game design uh, right and that's that's what I like I personally like about League of Legends um and I mean to an extent Heroes of New Earth now uh, I'll give Heroes of New Earth credit that they have a lot of game modes, so you can pretty much set the game up to be like whatever you want. And you know, and to give Valve credit, Dota 2 looks like it's going to be that way as well. So I mean, you can you can start games that don't allow denying and that kind of thing. But just looking at the you know the whole overall you know ranked is probably going to be the full experience and not just the casual style of play without denying and all that. Um, but um, yeah, that, that's the greatest thing about League of Legends to me is that they, when they designed the game, they didn't try to exactly mimic um, Defense of the Ancients. They tried to stay in the same area as Defense of the Ancients and make it a little bit friendlier. Right, right. And uh, I think they did a good job of that. Uh, and, um, I mean, Dota 2, I'm sure it'll do well. I mean, Valve's a, they're, they're a big company, and they're a good company. You know, I mean, they they don't usually put out just crap 
So I just uh, – what you mentioned is actually uh, – I agree with the most. It just kind of doesn't seem friendly to new players, which is kind of weird. Also, giving a million dollars to uh, – that's kind of like a – just like a big attention grab right there. Yeah, for the uh, for the, the tournament, tournament you're saying, yeah. Yeah, I'm real curious, like, how these guys are going to get dumped into a new game. Will they get practice time in advance? Uh, you know, I would have to think so. Um, they, you know, I mean, I know they're an alpha for it. So they, I mean, I'm sure they probably have alpha clients, and they have to give them those guys a little bit of time. But uh, honestly, if it is an exact copy, like what they're going for, then they really shouldn't have that much of a problem getting into it. Right, know? right. So, hey, you know, I mean, I'll watch it, but it just seems like it's not even as much of a announcement and trying to get people to switch as to say, like, you know, here's a lot of money, you know, <laughs> or, I don't know, because it's, it's not, I just don't think it'll get as much attention from the average gamer as it will from the hardcore audience. So. But you can bet it'll be splashed up all over Steam. Uh, oh, you know it will uh, be. Yeah. Now, by the <laughs> way, Jason T. McMaster, when can we play Defense of the Ancients 2? You know, they, they haven't really said. <laughs> so, so, you know, yeah, Valve's not one of those companies that gives reliable release times usually. So. I predict 2013. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, I mean, they're no blizzard. I mean, let's give a little bit of credit. <laughs> I could see 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Will we see another expand, another uh, episode for Half-Life 2 before we see Defense of the Ancients 2? Oh, I don't believe so. Okay. You've given up waiting on that one, huh? Oh, oh no, yeah. Uh, they update Team Fortress 2 like a million and a half times a day. So I don't know what anybody else does at Valve. Let's keep them very busy, yeah. Good God. All right, so that was your thread of the week. Not a news story, technically, but uh, well played. Very well played. Uh, And let's go now to news stories of the week. All right. Uh, Do you want to go first or should I? I can. Take Um, Take it away. All right. Hopefully, I'm not. I'm not going to stump you. Hopefully, you might. You might scoop me. Let's find out. StarCraft Two. What's the StarCraft Two news? It went free to play. Oh, that's not true. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll. <laughs> I will uh, discredit your story after you mention what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, it's not really free to play. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I see you backpedaling already before you've even said your story. <laughs> StarCraft Two Starter Edition. <laughs> And it gives you uh, like a little bit of the campaign. It won't, won't let you play ranked games. You have some challenges. Uh, you have a few of the multiplayer maps. You can only play as the Terrans. There is a map editor, but uh, yeah, it's most of the game is not included. It's just kind of a, a tease. And uh, and where I come from, we call that a demo or a free trial. Well, sure, sure, you could <laughs> call it that. This is Blizzard. Uh, yeah. Now, I would think, like, just to me, Jason T. McMaster, uh, free-to-play means more something like uh, like they then sort of monetize it with microtransactions. And actually, that's not even a fair definition necessarily, but that's what I tend to think of when I call something free-to-play. Oh, sure, absolutely. And, yeah, it's not really that. It's... So this is an example where they just give you a taste of the game, and then you can buy the full thing, of course. Uh, but I don't. Th- did StarCraft Two not really do that well, or as well as they expected? I, I have no idea. But it's it seems like it wasn't as popular as I would have thought. 
Um, yeah, I, I remember some sort of like bloggy posts slash stories to that effect about how it didn't take over in Korea as well as they were hoping it would. But I, I think it just might have taken a little longer to ramp up. I mean, it certainly, I think, has dominated the esports scene. Uh, I'm sure it's doing very well for them compared to other RTSs. Uh, oh, sure. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I would prefer a new Warcraft. I could handle Warcraft 4. Ah, well, maybe they'll announce that at Gamescom. Yeah, it'll be out in 2050, but, you know, sure. <laughs> right, I think we will have a manned flight to Mars before you and I yeah. will play Warcraft 4. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I hope we have a manned flight to Diablo 3 sometime soon. Well, hey, what do you know? That's That ties into my news story of the week. Oh, okay. Well, hey, carry it, carry it away. So uh, Blizzard had some folks out there to their uh, Irvine headquarters, and they were uh, telling they were they were sort of revealing a few more tidbits about Diablo three, uh, not including a release date, of course. But is it actually Jason T. McMaster? Is Diablo three currently committed to being a 2011 release? It's okay. That depends on if you believe that slip that came out of Blizzard like a while back with okay. their slated release dates, then yes. But I don't think they've ever said. Okay. It's not an official thing then. That's what, okay. Well, whenever it comes out, the, the most, uh, to me, the most interesting tidbit to come out of their re- recent uh, press reveal, and I think the one that picked up the most traction, is this idea that in Diablo 3, the uh, when you get an item, you can put it up on an auction house. Auction houses are proven oh, yeah. models on uh, on MMOs. You know, you get loot, you don't want it, you you sell it. You know, it's part of a money sink. And in a game like World of Warcraft, it can be its own game. You know, play in the auction house. So Diablo three, not quite an MMO. It's an action RPG, but you will find loot that maybe you don't want. So they're adding an auction house, valuable service. Seems cool enough, right? Uh, the particular detail that came out, though, is they're going to allow items, in-game items, to be sold and bought for real-world money. So if I find this awesome breastplate and I'm not going to use it, or maybe it's really awesome and I am going to use it, but I would rather sell it, I can then pay a listing fee, post it on the auction house, if someone buys it, Blizzard gets a cut of that money as well as the listing fee. And if I ever cash out my real-world cash, Blizzard – actually, I'm not clear if this is Blizzard or an additional – another third, a third-party company, but a, a, a cut gets taken from that as well. So basically, Blizzard is positioning this as we're not making money off of this. This is just something the players want. Uh, but along the way, by letting things being, by, by having things posted for real world money, there are three opportunities where people are making money off of this besides the players. There's the listing fee, there's the cut of the sales, and then there's the cashing out fee. So, part of me, so, uh, you go first on this. What do you think of this, Jason T. McMaster? This, this adding, it's not an MMO, but it is a massively multiplayer in a sense. It's an action RPG. What do you think of them adding real-world money into the equation like this? I think, well, there's a couple of things. First okay. of all, uh, they're maybe positioning themselves to do something about gold farming and World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I think about this is uh, 
I wouldn't be very surprised to see you being able to sell your character shortly after that, because, man, that's one of their big things. They've always been harsh on shutting down account sales and all that stuff. It's not legal on eBay or whatever and all this different, you know, jazz. So it just looks like they're positioning themselves to do maybe take that out at the knees or maybe free to play. Never know. You know that that actually because because of the way uh, Diablo three will work tied into Battle.net as it is where accounts are connected to your game like the CD key you use to buy the game. Uh, I, I wonder if they will let you sell characters. I, I would be kind of I don't know if I'd be surprised at this point because it's kind of like this is the camel's nose under the tent. Once that's happened with selling items, then yeah, it's not a far if you, if you are letting people basically put a cash value on the time they spend to grind or to find something or to luck into that that slot machine pull to you know to get a good prize. If you're letting them put a cash value on that, yeah, I guess you might as well let them sell their characters. Well yeah, I mean if they have control over it, at least they could move the characters back and forth, etc. And uh, <laughs> it's a big market. Well that that's I think the positive spin on it. And that I definitely approve of is this stuff happens anyway. So you know what you if I was running Activision and, and or Blizzard, I would say this is going to happen anyway. We might as well control it. We might as well take a cut of it. Uh, Absolutely. We cannot stop it, uh, so let's co-opt it. Yeah. Uh, and and so from that perspective, I, I, I definitely see the wisdom of it, and I can appreciate that they're doing it. Uh, I would much rather it be done this way than all of these back channels and eBay auctions and gold farmers and whatnot. You know, make it. It's almost like legalizing yeah. drugs. Just make it a part of the system and regulate it more carefully. Uh, so, in that sense, I approve. Um, yeah, good lord, the disgusting crap that goes on for gold Right, right. <laughs> now, but but what bothers me though, and this is a, uh, I I think that said, once you do this, once an item in the game can have a real world monetary value. This will, and I don't think you can play this down. I mean, some people will be like, oh, I don't care. I'm just going to play single player. I'm just going to play with my buddies. Or if you don't want to be a part of it, you don't have to use it. I, I think that... Mis- <laughs> Whoa, what was that? Is everybody I, okay there? <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> You've got some people there who are very upset about this this real-world auction house monetary transaction. Uh, Apparently <laughs> but anyway, what I was going to say is, is once you do this, even if you have the, the idea, like, I don't want any part of it, regardless of whether or not you have any part of it, it will vastly shift how the whole game's economy works. Oh, sure. Once you officially make real-world money a part of the equation, uh, then that that's that right there will drive the game's economy. Uh, so there, there's a reason, too, that, that Blizzard is saying you can't use this auction house in the hardcore servers. Because what they want for the hardcore servers is for the game design to be the prime factor instead of how much money or time you've spent grinding. You know, the, the hardcore servers, I think, they, they realize you can't just substitute money for the time you spend or the choices you make in your character build. The hardcore servers are truer to the actual game design rather than the business. Because once, once you know everything will change. The value of everything is dictated by factors beyond the designer's control. Once you introduce real-world money, you know the the question isn't how good is this weapon. The question then, when you find it, is how much does five dollars mean to you? 
And that's yeah. something that a game designer has no control over. You know, some people, $5, that's what they spend on Frappuccinos every day. Other people, $5, you know, that's 10% the price of a cool new game they could have bought. So oh, that's, that's not something that it, that, so that, that's what, that's what bothers me most of all is that this is a business decision, a publisher's decision that is going to have a huge impact on things that the game designers should decide. And I resent those two things colliding with each other. Uh, it's the worst part of the game industry's growing pains, I feel, is that we should be driven by designers with an artistic, consistent vision. And instead, business models are getting in their way. And, you know, I guess this is true of any form of entertainment, but I hate seeing, I hate seeing video games having to wrestle with this. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it reminds me, so here's why it bothers me. Here, here's my, uh, here's my anecdote for how this kills a game for me. I, w- I was playing World of Warcraft for a bit, uh, last year, and I killed some silly tiger or whatnot. I don't, I, I don't even remember the name of the place. There's a big old open area where water, like rivers are pouring waterfalls into the edge of the world. Something, Stranglethorn Vale? I don't know. I don't know the name. Yeah, Stranglethorn Vale. Okay. Well, I'm there and I killed a tiger and it dropped something that was, I, I think it was purple, whatever's really rare. And I picked it up and I opened it and it was a, a, like a parrot. It's just a bird. It's a pet. Doesn't do anything. But it was purple. And, uh, I didn't, I was like, hey, cool. It's rare. It's a little visual tweak. You know, that's what pets are. Um, but I come to find out that this is a very, very rare thing. And I could have, I could, before I used it, which would bind it to my character so I couldn't get rid of it, I could have sold it on the auction house. Not for real world money, but for in-game money and a heck of a lot of it. Uh, this is something that lots of people wanted, and I, I wish I could remember the name of the parrot. It was a big deal. I don't remember what it was. So anyway, at this point in the game, instead of me finding a cool visual tweak, what I have found is something that could save me a lot of time. You know, the gold I oh, yeah. could have made would have saved me a lot of grinding I would need to get an epic mount or whatever. So... At this point, what I'm faced with is what should have been a cool design thing, just a cute little visual tweak. Instead, it's part of this business model of World of Warcraft being built as a time sink and not a game. You know, the gameplay mandate is get players to to play this game and to spend their time and to pay their monthly subscription fee. Uh, And once I realized the rarity of that parrot, it wasn't a cool visual tweak anymore. It it made me realize that this game is built around making me waste my time. So do I want to have a little parrot flying behind me, or do I want to save myself the 10 hours of grinding it would take for an epic mount? And I, I resent that being sort of shoved in my face. Like, I didn't like being aware of that facet of World of Warcraft. Fortunately, I was not playing in earnest. I don't play World of Warcraft. I was just sort of sampling it. So I immediately popped it open, and I had the parrot flying around, because I I knew I wasn't going to be playing in the long term, so that time sink didn't factor in for me. Um, Sure. Yeah, they never did really that much to me either, even when I played the game. I I always liked the rare stuff. Now, but would would you sell stuff? Like, were you like a power gamer? Were you thinking, you know, you need gold for your epic mount or whatever like did all that stuff matter to you uh you know uh at first probably when i first started playing the game game god i came back a couple of times and after that i just started collecting rare crap because it was more fun that way and, and that's the thing is i like, getting you, all the money and yeah. it is you, you can opt out of that that part of the model if you want and that's what i did and it sounds like that's what you do but 
you know, I want to be in control of how much time, money, and investment I spend in a game. You know, I, I want that to be a contract between me and the designer. I want the designer to be the guy who dictates that and not the publisher, not the folks selling the game. I don't want them to intrude on how much time, money, or investment, personal investment I spend in a game. I want that to be in the designer's hands solely. Uh, and that's a little Pollyanna-ish of me. Um, I don't think that's going to be happening. And, and this auction house using real-world money is a classic example of that. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they can get away with it. They, they can't get away it. with it, and as I would admit, they probably should get away with it. But, yeah. you know, what? It, it makes me think maybe Diablo 3 isn't the game for me. Maybe I'll just stick to Sacred 2 or whatever. I mean, I yeah, it's kind of one of those things. I absolutely would love to play Diablo 3 because I'm such a big Diablo fan. And, but it's just kind of silly, you know? <laughs> I, actually, kind of, I, kind of, I kind of wonder about the relevance of Diablo 3. Three in that Diablo two is still very good. There's still okay. there are a lot of really great action RPGs, whether it's something small and personal and short like Bastion, or something epic and intricate and numbers fiddly like Sacred Two. Uh, there's some decent action RPGs on the on the 360. There, um, like how, Diablo three. I, you know what? I, I'm sitting here poo pooing it. I'm sure I'll be playing it the day it comes out. Oh, I will. Hopefully before. I don't, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I just, I, I question the, the, I don't know, it's such a brand, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the, it's funny, too, because they spent so much time on Warcraft and World of Warcraft that, you know, StarCraft II came out, and I just really didn't even care. You know, it had been so long right. that, you know, I played it a little bit, and I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> there are other RTSs I like much better. Um and so Diablo 3, yeah, I kind of wonder. Yeah, but there hasn't been just a huge, like, glut of those kind of games. There's been a ton of real-time strategy games. But there's, there hasn't been a ton of, like, Diablo-esque games. I mean, there's been a few. Don't get me wrong. Torchlight. Um, well, you know, you know, I also get spoiled sacred. by... Sacred and in some of the indie designs. You know, Stephen Peeler sure. has the, that company Soldak. He did a, a fantastic one called uh, Din's Curse and Depths of Peril, Pools of Depth, Deep Pools, whatever, in the early one. Like, I, he, he just he didn't have the production of a game like Diablo, which is a shame, because he certainly had the design chops. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, you know, there, I think there are great games like that that you can find. But, you know what, Diablo, like I said, Diablo is such a brand... Oh, yeah. It kind of doesn't matter. It's just an example of how franchising, you know, a brand trumps an IP trumps almost everything else. So it really does. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny to me too because, with the exception of Diablo, I mean, they, <laughs> and of course, this is a touchy subject for a lot of people, but, or well, I'm sure a lot of people are Blizzard, but I mean, have they ever seen Games Workshop games? I mean, I'm pretty sure they have actually. If you if you look at their uh, properties, well, those are the, yeah, those are those games that ripped off uh, StarCraft, right? Right, right. Those those guys, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like you look at Warcraft and StarCraft. It's just like, yeah, okay, yeah, Night Elves, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think Blizzard should sue THQ for the Space Marine game because it's obviously based on the Terrans oh, from StarCraft. I just can't believe it, they're getting away with that. It's crazy. It's absolutely, it's bunkum. <laughs> yeah, you know, speaking of Blizzard, uh, did you see the news about their uh, registering that site and all that, and the, the, or the trademark? No, what are, they, what are they trademarking? 
Mists of Pandaren, which would have to be, I'm guessing, the latest or the newest World of Warcraft expansion, which means you might be able to play a very large panda bear. You know, when I think of that, I just think of that awesome video of the mama panda bear or the baby panda bear that sneezes oh, yeah. and freaks out the mama panda bear. That's my frame of reference for panda bears. Uh, I, so, so you think that the speculation is that's the new race in World of Warcraft, panda bears? Well, that would be the speculation. You know, uh, they've they've joked about it for quite some time, having a race of pandas. I mean, and they do have them in the game as like little pets and this and that, but. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. <laughs> Do you prefer Jason T. McMaster panda bears or koala bears? God, that's a very cute conundrum. <laughs> that really is. I want you to think on that and get back to me next week. Oh, yes, I have something. While you're at QuakeCon, if uh, Carmack says anything about unlimited detailed graphics engine, uh, I, I want to know. Now, this was just this was just some boondoggle that was uh, posted on YouTube, right? Like this isn't a real thing, right? No, it's a, it's a real thing that they've been working on for quite some time, but it wouldn't really work, I don't believe, at least from everything I've read. I'm just wondering if it's a scam or not, which is what Notch uh, from the guy that developed Minecraft has been saying. It's a complete scam. Uh, but I'm curious about what Carmack says because, you know, as far as uh, those kind of things go, he seems to be the man who knows things. He does, but I don't know. I I cannot talk to Carmack. I've interviewed him before, and he just his brain works on a whole different plane than mine. Oh yeah. So you ask that guy a question, and uh, the and you you might as well be talking to someone who speaks Chinese. I I don't understand what he's saying when he talks. I, I'm sure he's brilliant. I love the work that he's done, and he's contributed a lot. But uh, I wish he would learn English. Yes. Oh, and <laughs> one last exciting thing. Yes, sir. Two. Now, come on. What? There's That's that, exciting. I, well, no, no, it's exciting, but they just mention. I mean, it's not an announcement. It's just one. Of, again, it's what no, blogs actually, do. Actually, I'm pretty sure they they, they made it official. Well, it, they, it's like there's no. Everybody knew there was going to be a Borderlands two. Well, so sure. they just admit. I mean, there's no information. There's no release date. There's no screenshot. We don't know anything about what they're doing different. It's just someone at uh, at Gearbox said, "Well, yeah, we're doing Borderlands 2. They said it on record. Uh, so you know, I, I once again, I, I'm. I'm playing the role of a uh, jaded jackass. So I don't mean to, I am excited, but I just, I'm looking, I'm going to hold off my excitement until there's actual information available. <laughs> well, but there's such a dearth of information. It's it, Tom, I don't know how you're missing out on this for the, the awesome press release. Apparently they have guns. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold the presses. Really? <laughs> there's, there, there's characters. There's, envir- there's environments, no. there's skills, there's enemies. Enemies? Weapons. I know. <laughs> Wait a minute. Equipment in addition to weapons? That's crazy talk. And it comes together in an ambitiously crafted story. <laughs> now, wait, is this actually what Gearbox said? This is stuff. Yes. Up. So that's the extent of what they're saying. Everything they're saying about Borderlands 2 could be said of Borderlands 1. Yes, it's like, yeah, character skills, yeah, yeah, the whole thing. It's it, Basically, they say it's going to be on a part of Pandora you haven't explored before. So it's kind of like the same announcement as Borderlands 1. <laughs> All right, and uh, Jason T. McMaster, when can we play this? Uh, they have not really said, but they said they're going to be showing it at Gamescom. 
Oh, well, actually, that is news then. Okay, so after GamesCon, there will be tangible yeah. details. We'll know more. Oh, okay, well, that's good to and, know. And uh, PAX uh, Prime or whatever and later in August as well. Also, um, the latest Game Informer supposedly has a spread on it. Ah, that's what's going on. Okay, so this is the ramp up before the actual Gamescom, right? Yeah, I see. Just, really So this is this is this is pre hype hype. Yes, it's um, pre press press relations. Yeah, I'm. You know what? I've been around far too long to care about that stuff. So I'm going to go back to jaded jackass mode and just here's my response. Ready for this, Jason T. McMaster? Here's my response. All right. <laughs> Whatever. Here's, here's my catch response. See? Yeah. He's so hard to please. He really is. You think I'm jaded. You should see this guy. So. (laughs) All right. So that, that was it. Did we cover all the bases? I believe we, we did. Yeah. So you did your good? Yeah. I I think we did. We did our three. I I think I brought up like 14 news stories somehow. You did manage to stealth a lot in there. Very well played, Jason T. McMaster. Very crafty. The power. So what are we going to do for folks uh, on the podcast next week then? Pants off, dance off. And then, <laughs> and then forum posts, news stories, and games of the week. And we may, we're not sure, we may have an update on the Frozen Synapse Tournament, which is currently in progress, as well as news of the next tournament, which yes. uh, will have some added features. So we will check with our, our correspondent, Dave Perkins, and see whether or not he's ready to, whether or not the story is developed enough to have him back next week. So we might have that. And uh, and Shadowcat will also be joining us. <laughs> From all of us to all of you. All right. So there's that, and we'll see everyone in a week. Good. So when you play a uh, rock band, what difficulty can you do guitar on? Uh, it's either hard or expert. Expert? Whoa. Yeah, I can do some expert. I'm no cell, but I've, <laughs> I've played. Now, when you get to a guitar solo on expert, do you just have to do star power and just fumble fingers through it, or you can actually play? It depends on the solo. Some of them I can really play, because actually the like solo stuff was never my weak point. It's certain, like, it's the speed, I guess, is I have a problem. But I don't know what it is. It's uh, Very impressive, McMaster. Well, thank you. <laughs>